Hey, Tony, I like video games. Well, hello there, Jake. I like video games, too. And this is a brand new spanking episode of Hey, I Like That Game. Hey, I like that game. Ooh, that was that one might be my favorite one to date. That was pretty good. I'm not going to toot my own horn too much. I felt like that was good. Did you practice that one? Were you like in GarageBand before the episode, kind of working through some beats? That was straight off the dome. Jake, how are you, man? <laughs> I am doing super duper well. I have some fresh hot news concerning the game Grandia 2, which oh. we recorded for the last episode. So Previous episode. The uh, channel RPG Limit Break, which is sort of like the uh, role-playing game, a games done quick offshoot. They are doing a Grandia Marathon this weekend, starting May 17th, um, and I believe they will be playing Grandia 2, uh, which yes. is what we just recorded. So if you want to watch the speedrun of that game, which the only ones I could find on YouTube were Glitchless and the Glitchless speedrun for this game or for Grandia 2, is like 10 fucking hours. So it's not wow. the most expedited speed run, but that should give you a little indication of how long that game is and uh, maybe inform a bit of the uh, the critiques I had of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually interesting. I, I'll probably tune in and check that out because uh, we were talking about this during the episode of like how I skipped a lot of battles and like the the fun of that battle system to me is making it more challenging for yourself. So Mm -hmm. if you're beating that game in 10 hours, you're probably not breaking level 20, I would think. Right, yeah, Uh, it's going to be real interesting to see how they min-max that game. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Cool. Thanks for for the shout-out there. Uh, Best of luck to the the runners uh, and and, uh, good on them for for pulling it off. That's that's, uh, super cool. Yeah, yeah. You just gotta wish anybody who wants to speedrun a game like that all the luck in the world. Right. Speaking right, right. of speedruns, so they're one of the games I've been playing since the last episode. I am, I'm thinking of speedrunning, but I'm not Ooh. sure if it's going to be the best game for it. And as soon as I tell you which game it is, you're gonna know exactly why. So yeah. I've been playing a little bit of Pokemon Snap. <laughs> Oh my god, it's not a speedrun game! No, it is! It's not. <laughs> First of all, it is. There are speedruns for it, and the top the top run is like a full like five seconds faster than the run prior. So there are ways to speedrun that game, but um, I've been, I played it a bit just for shits and giggles, having fun. I have it on the N64. I love that game. It's a whole lot of fun. It's basically like an on rails almost like puzzle game it's a shooter it's a shooter with like puzzle elements because you need to like figure out the specific sequence of events you need to do either through items you get or through like specific picture taking in order to unlock all the different pokemon and yeah i i played that game a ton when i was younger i know all the secrets i can complete that game casually in like an hour and change so i think it'd be real fun to maybe learn how to go through it as fast as possible. But what I'm doing right now is, so you, you know, of course, in the game, take pictures of Pokemon. That's the whole premise of it. I mean, like, the, I guess, like, the goal of the game is to get 
pictures of all 63 Pokemon that are in that game. But you are also scored on the pictures based on the quality, you know, how they're poses, how close they are, if there are multiple Pokemon in it. So I've been doing a little bit of just trying to get the highest scores on pictures, which is where a lot of, like, the, like, skill and, like, the puzzle element of it comes in, and it's actually been a whole lot of fun, because I've just, every time I've played that game for, like, the last decade, I've just been playing it for speed. So it's really fun to just kind of, like, sit down and work through that game as it's sort of meant to be played again. So, yeah. It's uh it's been a fun one. Yeah, that sounds uh that sounds interesting. Like I I will immediately disagree with you though that a a game that is on rails is a good quality speedrun game candidate, right? Cuz that game is on rails. Those levels you are moving at a set pace basically. Uh, I'm sure there are ways to make it go faster to do whatever, but there is like that's it seems like you have a finite room to improve on things, so I feel like that's not a great candidate for speedrunning. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong when it comes to I mean, that. like, the other game I learned to try to play as fast as possible was Mario Kart 8. So, I mean, there's, like, really only so much you can do there as well, it being a racing game and not... There aren't, like, a whole lot of really, like, any glitches or exploits or whatnot that you would see in, like, a normal speedrun. So... I think I'm just, like, I'm still pretty tentative on, like, diving into the speedrunning game sort of mentality. Like, I'm not about to jump into a Dark Souls or, a, like, a Bloodborne and try to speedrun those. I'm just, like, babies, babies for speedruns, and it seems like Pokemon <laughs> Snap is a, is a decent way to jump into that. Uh, the yeah. other game I've been playing a bit of, I think I've talked about it just a, just a wee bit on this podcast before, but... I always like to have a game that I'm playing, uh, like playing with my girlfriend. Our most recent game is Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Oh, which, nice. Oh, my God. So this is basically like a side game in the Metal Gear franchise where you're playing as Raiden, the cyborg ninja man. It's made by Platinum Games. They do uh, like the Bayonetta franchise, just like a whole lot of not serious beat em up spectacle fighter spectacle fighter i guess is kind of like the weird sort of niche subgenre you would describe those as and that game is just it is concentrated fun it is concentrated ass kicking the music is ridiculous the gameplay is ridiculous the tutorial boss is one of the like the titular metal gears and you end up flinging him with some grappling hold into a building and like there's guitar blasting and it's a game that simultaneously doesn't take itself seriously at all but takes itself so seriously there's so much philosophizing about like the purpose of war and why the characters are fighting and what they're fighting for in the cutscenes and it's all hilarious i've never played a metal gear game before and I never want to play another one because I just know this, they're never going to be as great as this one. This is your first... Oh, wow. This is, yeah, this is my first and only Metal Gear game, and I think it's just going to stay that way. And I think they need to make a sequel to this game. This game has like this cool like uh, blade mode setting or like special attack where you basically just, like kind of slow down time and you just slice through things and you can cut up enemies into a thousand pieces and it's a damn shame no other game has done something like it because it's a real fun silly amazing system in a fun dumb silly game highly recommend it it's probably like yeah. 
10 bucks now and worth every penny that's awesome that's all i've i've heard nothing but good things about that game and i've uh, i've played a couple of the metal gear games like i played one in bits and pieces of two but i've always been kind of a uh, fan from a distance when it comes to metal gear that's actually a game i would like to do in the future for this show the original metal gear solid but not quite yet but but at some point that'd be fun to to dive into so you'll you're gonna have to play some more metal gear at some point there jake unfortunate for you oh, uh um, you know i expect it <laughs> right right um but but speaking of, of of games that we're playing it's only been a short time since our last episode so i haven't really dug deep into anything since then but Grandia 2 was scratching a JRPG itch that I, I didn't realize that I had. Like if I didn't realize there was this void in my life that was a JRPG. So I picked up another one uh, for the Switch. Another kind of low-key, hey, I like that game, but like it's been a long time since I've played it. So I picked up Final Fantasy XII, the Zodiac Age, uh, for the Switch. So Final Fantasy XII is kind of uh the redheaded stepchild of the final fantasy uh series it's often kind of put in the same category as like final fantasy 9 as like oh that's a good game but like doesn't it's not in the top tier of final fantasy games um in a lot of like fans perspectives i played this game when it first came out on the ps2 i really enjoyed it uh back then it's a very interesting system where you have it's kind of like a single player mmo like, that's really, like, the way the game is set up. Like, there's this big overworld. There's a bunch of quests that you can take that are to the side of the main story content. You have a party of three characters. And a lot of the combat is not, like, it's not really turn-based and it's not action. It's more like you have this system called the Gambit system where you set up logic for your characters. A bunch, It's like a lot of if-then statements, basically. Mm-hmm. And then the way that the listing works is the, the higher up on your list, the higher priority it is. So it's very interesting to set, set up a party around these different if-then statements to, to make a, a game that plays itself a lot of the time... But um, a lot of the fun is exploring these maps, coming up with unique strategies. There's um, so on top of these ga- this gambit system where you kind of program the logic of your characters, you have this thing called the license board, which is kind of like a job system in other Final Fantasy games, where um, you kind of go into this board that's like a I guess I would say it's a simplified version of the the sphere grid from Final Fantasy X where you're kind of moving along this board unlocking new nodes on there but within those nodes are all sorts of different stuff so it could be like gain this much HP or gain more uh, attack strength in battle but aside from that our spells are different uh, equipable items things like that so you have to kind of purchase the license to wear certain gear to like equip weapons to use spells and then you have to also buy the license for it so it's like if i put a character down the black mage path i have to build up their license board to get to certain spells but then on top of that i have to buy those spells in order to have that uh, accessible to the character. 
So it's kind of di a couple different levels of abstraction to character development. That is, I'm, I'm not quite sure if I love it or not yet. I forgot how complicated it was. Uh, now coming back to it, I'm, I'm maybe about four hours into the game. I forgot how complicated this, this, this system was, but I'm actually having a really fun time sitting there and like menuing in this game, like going into the license board, planning out the points I'm going to spend and the different licenses I'm going to buy, and then sitting in front of the shopkeeper and say, okay, I can buy XYZ items here, and if I have this many points in my license board, I can equip XYZ of this stuff, which opens up new options on my uh, Gambit system so I can you know, mess with the logic of my characters. I'm really enjoying it right now. I remember absolutely loving this game when I played it before. It, it has... In a, in a similar vein to Grandia 2, there's like really difficult boss fights in this game that you really need to strategize around, and which are hunts. They call them like hunts. So it's like you go into areas you've already been. Uh, there's unique situations and circumstances to bring out these mon like these really big monsters, and then you have to really think on your toes and plan to take down this monster. You know, you need to prep for it. I'm really excited to get more into that. I've only done a couple of hunts so far in the story, but it's good. And the other thing that I really like about this game is the story of this game is more Game of Thrones than it is anime. You know, like so much of the Final Fantasy games uh, before this are just straight <laughs> anime kind of stuff. Well, and like, yep, yep. A level up from anime, you know, like it's it's still very um, tropey, I guess, yeah. like other Final Fantasy games. But there's usually a love story. There's usually the world is ending and all that kind of stuff. And the way that this game starts off is basically like you have these two rival countries at war, and you are kind of placed in the middle. Uh, in a, like like the city that's in the middle of the war path of these two different countries, like you are straight in the middle of that. It does a, a cool little like switcheroo in the beginning where you play with one character and that character, spoiler alert, gets shanked and dies. Oh um, no! Before you get to know him at all, yeah, not and it's Ned like, Stark. Then he plays his brother for the. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's calling back a lot of these Game of Thrones uh -huh. vibes, which which I'm enjoying a lot. It's this game's about politics. It's not a love story. There is some end of the world type uh, stuff later in the game, if I r recall correctly. But it's mostly about these two different countries that are warring with one another, and you are in the middle mm -hmm. of it. The main character is this guy Vaughn. Uh, I think it's Vaughn who wants to be a sky pirate. He's kind of like a street rat Aladdin type character and he wants to be a sky pirate and he kind of falls in with some sky pirates, which is um, interesting. Uh, this game has a lot of fun characters that you don't see in a lot of other Final Fantasy games, I feel like. So uh, I I'm actually really excited to, to keep playing this game. It's a perfect uh, commute game because you can just pause it at any time and it's totally fine. Uh, and you can just kind of grind out little sections of the game and then put it down and be done with it. But yeah, it's I'm very excited to to dig deeper into this game, especially since this is the Zodiac Age version of it, which is like I think like a game of the year version with yeah. a little bit of extra they content. Got everything. Some of the sis yeah, some of the systems are refined. You know, a lot of stuff like that. So 
Uh, I'm I'm pumped. Yeah, let me know how that turns out because that sounds pretty interesting. It's 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 eliciting these thoughts of Final Fantasy tactics, which Final Fantasy games that I like the most, the advanced (laughs) tactics, and it's called A2, the one on the DS. Yes. Like I had this weird tenuous relationship with the Final Fantasy series and that I've played a lot of them a little bit but I've never really sure. fallen in love with any of those games so much that I have the uh, the tactics games and it sounds like this progression system is pretty similar to how that game works with its job development its skill learning and its uh, development so if you like that game and if it's if it keeps you interested for a bit, I would definitely be interested because that you're right. Grandia two definitely brought up that inkling of, Oh yeah. JRPGs have real intense and deep battle systems. And if I could find one that I can just engage with a lot more, I love it. It's a whole lot of fun. Just even you talking about it and like us having this conversation right now makes me want to go back into my drawer and start playing some tactics on the DS. So it's funny that you bring up Final Fantasy Tactics because there is a very, very real connection between the Final Fantasy Tactics universe and this game in that Final Fantasy XII takes place in the world of Ivalice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Vaughn's um, a character it has, in the Tactics game. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, he's like this weird side character that becomes like sort of prominent in the DS Tactics huh. game, and then you said his name as Vaughn, and then I, like, I had just like I had like a flashback, like all these memories came flooding back to me, like. Oh, shit, that dude was on my party. Oh, yeah, he wanted to be a Sky Pirate the entire time during that game. That's weird. Yeah, like, it's it's cool, because, like, I, I'm i almost the exact opposite of you, that I have played a lot of the Final Fantasy games, most of them to their completion. I really like the original Final Fantasy Tactics, but the the, the Game Boy Advance one, A2 or whatever it was, I, I actually didn't like that game very much. I did not beat that game. I got really frustrated with it. That, that whole judge system really... Yeah, so you're talking about the Game Boy Advanced one. Um, They do a lot to make that system more approachable in the DS version, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics A2. Like, if you're at all curious, definitely go for it. And if you don't, I'm going to make you play it at some point. So sit tight. Okay, perfect, perfect. (laughs) The the only thing I'll say that is shitty about it taking place in Ivalice and just a big miss on their part is that you can't play with any of those, like, lizard salamander looking guys like that class like be that race never comes up as a party member you get the the bunny haired like the bunny eared uh race Mm -hmm. i forget i think it starts with a v i can't remember what they're yeah i can't remember for Um, the life of me either but um you get to play with one of those and that's like an early character class that you get uh or a character not character class early character but they they stick to mostly humans in this game, but man, I I feel like that was just like such a big miss in this game. But you know, whatever, not not a big deal. Anyways, Final Fantasy XII: Zodiac Age, pretty solid. Jake, you want to get into uh, the the game of the episode? Yeah, yeah. Let's take a quick quick break, and then after we come back, we will be talking about Burnout Three Takedown. After this break, there will be no breaks! The breaks have been disabled! I'm 
Hey everybody, Jake here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hey I Like That Game. If you're enjoying the show and want to reach out to Tony and I, you can email heyilikethatgame at gmail.com. You can tweet me at likethatgame, and you can follow us on Facebook for updates. Enjoy the rest of the episode. This is Hey I Like That Game FM. I'm Scoot, and we're here talking about Burnout 3 Takedown. And we're coming in <laughs> hot. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're talking about Burnout 3 Takedown. For those of you that, that don't know, Burnout 3 is a kind of beloved arcade racing game from the early 2000s. Uh, published by EA, mm-hmm. uh, I believe this was developed by was it um, uh, Crichton Games? I think that's it. Yeah, this is Criterion. 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 Games, right. Yes. This is like before EA became kind of like that evil empire they're known to be right now, and like made some real solid games. Yeah, they sure did. And this is one of them. This game is fucking sick. This game kicks ass. Okay, I just want to like. I want to get this out there before we really start talking about it, because I do have, like, my fair number of nitpicks and critiques about it, but on the whole, this game just kicks ass. I this game love playing fucking it. Rocks. This game fucking rocks. I mean, I didn't really... I've never really played this game. Like, I have touched all the burn... Maybe not all the Burnout games, but, like, I know of the series. I understand the reverence for it. I might have played a little bit of this game when I was younger, but it wasn't something that I owned. It was always like at a friend's house. It's like, oh, okay, we'll just play something. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we'll play this thing. But you know, now having sat down and spent ten plus hours with it, it's like, holy shit, this game is fucking great. Why didn't I play this as a kid? Like, why didn't I own this game? Because I would have played, I would have played it to death. This game's great. Yeah. It's so good. So, like, my history with racing games, like, I played the Mario Kart games, like, most kids did. And then um, my brother got a PlayStation 2, and he got Gran Torino 3, I believe, was one of the launch titles for that. Or Gran Turismo. Gran Turismo. Turismo, whatever. Gran Torino 3 with Clint Eastwood, where he's back from the grave for revenge against more, more shit. Anyway... So I played Gran Turismo 3, and that's, like, I guess, like, more of a realistic racing sim game. I played, like, ten minutes of it, hated it. Like, fuck it, I don't like this, it's too hard, no fun. And then, four years later, I saw a review for this game on the G4 Network review show X-Play, which I rewatched oh, yeah. for this show, which was just, like a, like, a shot of nostalgia epinephrine into my arm was watching that show again and they gave this morgan webb they gave this game a great review and i'm just like okay you know what i gotta pick this game up and i loved it then and playing it again i love it i love it now it's a whole lot of fun yeah so so this game is basically it's basically the definition of an arcade racer so when you think of like Cruise in USA or like San Francisco Rush. This game fits right in that niche, but it adds in the extra flavor of takedowns. Yes. You know, like you're, you're supposed to be moving fast. Like brakes are at a very, like you're not supposed to be hitting them that often. You're, you're moving quick the entire time, but 
kind of like in in since we were since I brought it up, like you know, San Francisco Rush or cruising, you could kind of bump into other cars without losing a lot of speed or anything like that. But it wasn't encouraged, I would say. Whereas in this game, it takes you know, a hard left turn into that. Yeah, you know, it 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 wants you to draft right behind somebody and bump into them. It wants you to hit the back end of their car a little bit to make them try to, you know, lose control. It wants you to turn hard into a car to bump them against the wall and make them crash. Right. You know, like, and it's, and you're incentivized by that, by when you make an opponent car crash, it doubles your speed boost meter and it, it gives you a full charge of that. So it's like, it's basically like saying here, now you have the opportunity to either make more cars crash or to get farther along in your chase for first place. Right, right. So there's a, a boost bar, and you accumulate boost by doing stuff uh, like risky driving, the game says. You'll drive into oncoming traffic, you'll get into near misses with like the civilian cars that are in the game, because that's a big part of the game, is our just, there's normal traffic. Drifting, getting jumps and whatnot, and you'll get a little bit of boost for that, but like Tony was saying, if you get a takedown on another racer's car, you get a, it expands your maximum boost and then it fills it all the way. So that is the fastest and the most effective way to get boost is by taking out other cars and by basically like sparring with other cars. So the mechanics of the game really incentivize that aggressive driving style, even if there's not another like racer nearby you. It's really, really fun. It's like it makes it, it, it makes you be as aggressive. It, it incentivizes you to be aggressive, like you said. Like it, it makes you be aggressive, and if you're not aggressive, you're not going to win. So it makes you take risks. It makes you try to eke in between two cars to like bump one of them into the sidewall or, or make a really tight pass on somebody. Like it. The reward for the risk is so great that it's almost like the thought of playing it safe never enters your mind. It's like you always are going for the risky play for that big reward. And you do fail. Like there are things Oh yeah, where you're going to crash. You're, you're going to crash, you're going to blow your fucking car up. You're going to you're <laughs> going to miss you're going to miss something mm-hmm. uh, or jam into a pole that you didn't see coming. Like that stuff's going to happen. And the game does two things. It does a really good job of not making that ruin the race for you. Like, even if you crash terribly at the early start of a race, like, you have so much time to reclaim your lead. And even if you crash, like, late in a race, it still feels like you have time to make it back, which I really enjoy because then, again, it plays into that. Uh, encouraging you to be risky, to be aggressive. Because if they didn't do that, like if on the last lap of a race, it's like, oh, things are way too tight. If I crash, I'm not going to be able to get first place. If it did that, then all of a sudden, first lap and second lap become totally different games. But that's not what this game does. You know, like it makes it so if you make a mistake, um, you're not completely trashed because of it. Yeah, but that's usually the case so that's kind of like my biggest not biggest but like one of my more like technical issues with the game is the the rubber banding or sort of how the ai drives so rubber banding um is a like a racing game term it basically refers to 
how much faster the AI is going to drive if it's behind you or how much slower they're going to drive yeah. if they're ahead of you. So it's basically a way for the game to just like make each race closer. And there's stuff in like Mario Kart, the other genre that or the other racing game that I've played the most of for sure. There's stuff like items in there that really help to equalize the race a whole lot more. But that game especially with the later iterations, uh, has really solid rubber banding for the most part, where you're never, like, truly out of a race, and you're never truly, like, safe, as in the lead. And this game does the the former all right, where you're never, like, truly safe in the lead. Like, there's always going to be a car behind you to some amount. Like, you can gain some distance on them by driving well, by maintaining that boost. But what it doesn't do super great is helping you to catch up if another car is really far ahead of you. So if you have a few bad crashes in a row, and especially in the one-on-one races that they do in the sort of single-player campaign mode, if you get a few bad crashes in a row, then you're not going to be able to catch up to the other racer, which means you're not going to be getting any takedowns, which means you're not going to get that big speed bump, and you just basically have to start over. And that was really my biggest complaint with the game is there's not a huge comeback mechanic because you can get boost through just independent driving through traffic and oncoming traffic and near misses but it's not nearly enough to let you catch up interesting maybe like maybe i'm just too good at the game i think you're just good i think that's the case i think you're just a lot better at this than i am tony very good at the game, so I didn't really run into issues with that. Yeah, so in the <laughs> the game mode that I played the most of is the World Tour, which is basically Same. it. it's like a single-player setting. It gives you a whole bunch of different game types and scenarios, and there are gold medal criteria to meet. So there's the race, which is you know what it is. It's a race. Grand Prix, one, like, s- which is just a race. series of races. There's the one that was my favorite, which is the Road Rage, where it's basically kind of... It's not really a race, but the goal of the match is to crash as many other racer cars as possible. And the game always does a good job of like being able to spawn some around you so that you're always basically battling. And that's really, I think, the most fun game mode because you're always you're like you're racing at the same time but you're also trying to make the other cars crash there's the face-off which is one-on-one there's burning lap and preview which are basically two different ways of like a speed trial and then what was probably my least favorite is what's uh called eliminator where there are six racers and whoever is in last place at the end of a lap gets eliminated and i don't know what you thought about those but it for me, those just always felt like they went on for too long. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Like your your analysis of the the game modes there is is basically what I what I experienced too. Like I really liked the Grand Prix. Like the, I had a lot of fun with those, just because like you have to you have to sit down with a kind of a long session and see different courses and like kind of get that mario kart feel yeah you know where it's like i got second place on this race so now i'm really really gonna have to gun for that first place and make sure that guy that got first place last time is like in third place so to to assure my victory i really like that strategy there but yeah um 
some of those other i really didn't like the one-on-one no either yeah that was that was probably like the second to worst yeah because it's like part of this game is to have a field of racers where it's like you're climbing a ladder right if i start very back of the pack I get one elimination. Now I got a ton of boosts. I'm going to get ahead like maybe two places or so. Now I'm fighting with these people. Then I get another elimination. Start to move up the pack a little bit again. And now I'm I'm fighting with uh, number one and number two. And we're all really neck and neck close to each other. That's the fun of this game for me. And then when you take that away, it's like, what, what are we even doing here? You know, like mm-hmm. this isn't, this is not a serious racing game. So there shouldn't be a serious racing game mode in this right you know and the face-off is where i felt the um the ai and the rubber banding issue really came uh, came to a head because if you fall behind in a face-off there's just there's just there's no way for you to catch up but you're never ahead in a face-off match so if you take down the other car and you get a whole bunch of boost and they've crashed so you get to like make up that distance you've maybe bought yourself like 15 20 seconds of peaceful driving time but if you crash and then like when you're trying to do like the risky driving to catch up and if you crash again and then they're like they have an insurmountable lead you have to restart the race pretty much so the face-off is where that really becomes the most pronounced uh the eliminator just takes too long but then there's the final game mode which we have not brought up as of yet which is sort of the at least to me what this game is known for which is the crash mode yeah this is the differentiator like this is the thing that burnout has that no other racing game has yes so basically crash mode is you are put into some scenario there are civilian cars all over the place in different settings in different locations with different ramps nearby with different power-ups and whatnot and what your job is is to take your car and cause as much damage as possible monetarily yep Yep, and it's chaos it's 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 chaos but the game turns from a arcade racing game into a puzzle yes exactly it's a puzzle It's, it's 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 fucking genius it's absolutely genius and you tie that with a new mechanic for this game called the impact time, which is after you crash, you all of a sudden have control over the momentum of your car. So if you know I have to move, I got to move way left to try to hit this other thing to set off another chain of events with these cars and then blow myself up, which would blow up other things, you can do that. And that becomes kind of a pivotal thing in figuring out the puzzles of each of the crash mode uh, stages. It's it's incredibly smart. It's, for me, it's not my favorite part of the game because I actually truly enjoy the racing part of this yeah, game. Same. But the crash mode is like, to me, a quintessential... Uh, additional mode where it's what makes this game yeah because there's there's a lot of games that say they have all these different modes and all this stuff like you look at like first person shooters right and they're like well we have team deathmatch and then we have free for all and then we have slayer and then we have you know swat like if we're like talking in terms of halo right where it's like here are all these different game modes it's like okay but you're still shooting people this game right. is like, okay, Crash Mode is a totally different genre built with the same tools 
that we're using for racing, which I think is one incredibly smart development, and two, it gives you so much value for your gaming dollar. This game, yes, it reuses courses and assets a lot, but the Grand Tour mode, or the it's Grand Tour, right? That's the single player. Yeah, um, I believe so. That has so much there's so much content and the mechanics are so fun and they're so well thought out it's like fuck i'll replay these maps again like i'll I'll keep seeing the same shit over and over again because it's so much fun to play you know Mm -hmm. yeah and the crash mode so i was torn between this game and another game which came out earlier which is essentially only the crash mode it's called Hot Wheels Crash. Oh, dumb. <laughs> Which, I mean, I only have, like, vague memories of this game, and I really want to, like, watch some gameplay of it now, but it's essentially that game is only the crash mode where it's a whole bunch of puzzles of you need to cause as much damage as possible in this scenario. Um, but I decided on Burnout because there's just, like, a lot more there, and I remember actually enjoying the gameplay of it being a racing game more as well as the crash mode. But yeah. the crash mode is really what hits this it's a, it really fits this game and this game has its own I don't know culture, attitude, style. So if you're wondering what the hell I was doing when we came back from the break during <laughs> the the grand tour mode like before you start every episode or every uh race or event and in between, like in the events, Dur- during when, races, <laughs> during races, like when the song is switching, because I assume EA didn't want to pay for the rights for the entire song, so they would pay for like a one minute clip, and then in between the transition of songs, there's, oh man, what was the dude's name? There's Striker, like ra- Striker. There's like a radio shock jock DJ who's like. Hey there, racers! Uh, we're in France right now, and the wine is great, but the crashes are greater. Like dumb to shit like that. Fucking like this weird early two <sighs> thousands faux punk attitude. But, the, f- the fourth yeah. note that I have written down here is: I'm pretty sure I hate Striker. It's oh, I hate fun. him! I hate him so much. It's, it's the fucking worst. Oh my god! It's like it's totally of its time, though. It's like a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, this is like the perfect time capsule game. If you want to go back to early two thousands culture, this is the video game. I would say. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like fucking extreme. These Doritos have more fucking powder on them. Like there's some <laughs> fucking flavor. If you have some Mountain Dew with your Doritos and your uh, simple plan, it's gonna be great. <laughs> like. Oh my god! It's Wait, oh, so one of the things that he mentions a lot during the races. Like, if you have, if you want to learn more about burnout action, go to ea.com/burnout3, which of course I went to. Of course, um, and it's still it's still a functioning web web page. It does redirect to like EA's main site, but there's still a burnout three page on the EA site that it directs to. So. There's that. At least they kept up their basically bad internet commentary of 2004. Yeah, yeah. I mean, speaking of bad stuff, <laughs> the 
the soundtrack I I say bad yeah. stuff. I don't think the soundtrack is is bad whole cloth, but like I said, this game is a game of its time. It's like when did this game come out? This came out what, two thousand two thousand four. Two thousand four. So if you are my age, you remember two thousand four very um very uh clearly and the music of that era at least the 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 pop music of that era it's it's difficult it's a lot of pop punk like let me read off some of the the bands that we have on here we have fallout boy finger 11 funeral for a friend jimmy eat world motion city soundtrack my chemical romance pennywise uh rise against sugar cult the D4, the F-Ups, the Future Heads, uh, the Von Bundys, Yellow Card. And, like, I'm reading off all these bands, and, like, a lot of the ones a lot of the ones I just mentioned have some good music in them, but those are not, not the songs. not in this game. They're not, those are not the songs on this game. The, the, only, the only two songs I'll say I really, really enjoy on this soundtrack is I really like... The Franz Ferdinand, uh, this fire song. I just I yep, like Franz yep. Ferdinand, like they're great. And then I really like, th- and then this is like a a secret love of mine. It's like I actually really like My Chemical Romance, and I'm not okay. Is a fucking great song to me, but like fucking newfound glory. At least I'm known for something. It's like. It, I, I want to tear my eyes out when I'm listening. There's to that a lot song. of duds in the soundtrack. Oh my god, it's so bad. Um, I really don't like the Atreyu song they have on here, "Right Side of the Bed." Oh, it's not good. Ugh. Yeah, the, uh, this game what's... is definitely a time capsule, but the gameplay is solid enough where it's an enjoyable time capsule. Like, this is the perfect game to put on mute and have your own soundtrack to. <laughs> it's, like, the perfect game for that because the mechanics hold up extremely well. But then everything else that's kind of on the the fringe of it just doesn't. It just doesn't. Like, Striker is unbearable. Some of the music is just... It's just graining, you know? It's like, I love Jimmy Eat World as, as much as... The next guy, and they, I feel like Jimmy Roll is like a a good band in general, but like just tonight is like not the Jimmy World song that I want on this. You know, like it's it's like EA placed a couple of bets when it came to the songs that they were licensing, and they mm-hmm. just missed. They missed with a a lot of them. But I will say though, this like this era of EA, like you were saying before, this is when they started becoming like a big fucking deal. And their licensed music has been really good. And, and, like, I'll say I don't like a lot of this music, but it's because, like, because of the time and because of the genre they really focused on. Like, a lot of it's just, like, pop, punky kind of stuff. But yeah, if you go to, like, the Fight Night series, the Fight Night games have fucking incredible music they like fight night's one of the games i might want to play on this on this podcast yeah yeah like i played fight night round three like a lot with a good friend of mine and the songs in that game they're still stuck in my head there's there's akon song on there oh my god that's so i fucking hate akon but it's like (laughs) 
the best. It's like the best of Akon. And it's like, I wish that they would have gotten the best of some of the bands that they had on here. Like, I don't hate Fallout Boy, but I don't like the song they picked here. It's, uh, it's, it's just, it's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah. And then, sh- and then Striker, whenever he opens his mouth, is like the worst. It's terrible. It's the, wor- it's the, it's worst, the worst part of this game. It's hilarious. Yes. And then like 10 minutes later, you're done with it. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, but uh, speaking of the licensing, I wish – so they didn't license any cars for this game. So all the cars are generic design with very descriptive generic names. And, I mean, that's fine. Like, I'm not a car person. I'm not like, oh, they didn't have the BMW uh, S series in this game. Uh, one out of five. But the – vehicle selection is where this game lacks a lot of depth that I wish that it had because there's only two stats that diversify each vehicle which is speed and weight and I mean basically you know speed that one is pretty straightforward how fast go and then weight is just like how easy it is for you to push other cars around and it affects the drifting a little bit but the drifting is pretty damn forgiving anyway so I wish they had done a bit more to make more vehicles available like a greater diversity of vehicles you could select from and maybe have the difference between each of those be more substantial because there's there's a good amount of cars in this game like 40 something that you can unlock but if they had narrowed that down but made the differences more substantial that really would have helped out a lot See, this is where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, is that I actually like that they didn't have to tie a name to any of these cars in particular, because that's where the brands get a say in what happens here. Like, when you see a Forza game or you see a Gran Turismo game, they're using actual cars. Those companies don't want to see their cars get destroyed, so then they have to make gameplay changes or they have to change the way that the those cars are going to break and destroy. Whereas in this game, they're like, we don't give a fuck. We're just going to do whatever the hell we want. I, I love that part of it. I, I do agree that there's not a lot of difference in the cars that they're um, putting out there, but I, I, I don't need that. Like The mechanic is good enough. I don't need that uh, difference. Hold on one second. I have to go to the bathroom, like, really bad. Okay, really bad. Well, while Tony's going to the bathroom right now, dear listeners, I will take the chance. It's good that he's not here because I'm actually going to agree with him on a point and commend him for making that point to begin with. Where, yeah, it makes sense that if they had to license cars, for sure, then those brands would have some say in what happens with those cars and this game is about destruction the car destruction in this game is phenomenal so it's 2004 the graphics in a lot of games weren't really there but in this game they are really solid and tony made a super good point about how this game needed to you know fly on its own it didn't need a brand to tie it in it didn't need mercedes to say i don't want our car to get broken real bad so good job tony i'm wrong you're right but since you went to the bathroom you'll never hear it <laughs> psych i had my head wireless headphones on the whole time Can you damn just it say, 
can Son you of just a bitch! can you just say I was right again? Just say it like one more time. <laughs> I'm almost finished. I'm almost done. <laughs> that was that was a very good point, Tony. Something I had not really considered. Good job. You're right. Yes. Um, I I want to touch on one more thing before verdict here is you were talking about like drifting before and that it's I can't remember exactly how you put it but like it's very forgiving yes Um, I think the drifting is a lot of fun on the more open tracks it's it's um it's a little more floaty than say a Mario Kart is like it's not Mm -hmm. um you're not like going back and forth really fast to try to get your nose the nose of the car kind of around a turn it's more like you barely touch on the brake and then to get your car kind of sliding in that direction and then you're gunning the turbo out of a turn to straighten yourself out um it's a lot of just kind of feathering the brake and then using your boost to to propel yourself out of a, a rough turn which is really fun once you get the hang of it and it it feels it feels closer to real like realism than like a Mario Kart right mm-hmm. i know i'm saying realism in in the sense of a, a a burnout game which is fucking insane but um that was like the sense that i got from it and i i really like that um i really like the drifting in this game like i said on open courses when when turns get a little bit tighter things get a little more crowded which doesn't really happen that much um it becomes more of an issue, but you know those first couple of tracks are hitting like a perfect turn feels so good. Oh my god! It feels yeah. So, good. so Jake, I, I think I think I know what both of our answers are going to be here, but I'll, I'll pitch it to you first. What would you say this game is? Uh, hey, I like that game, or hey, I don't like this game. Oh yeah. I uh, if it wasn't obviously apparent from the get go, this is a hey, I like that game. It's a whole lot of fun. I got this on the um, Xbox 360 virtual console. This is uh, an original Xbox game. Picked it up. It was $10. Worth worth every penny. This is a rare game that I think I'm going to continue to play at some point in the future, even though the recording is done. Uh, hey, I like that game. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't agree with you more. Hey, I like that game. A hundred times over. Just like you just said, I want to keep playing this game even though the recording's over this will be a game that i keep kind of off to the side where if i need a a solid palate cleanser or if i'm having a bad day and i just want to have some fun this is a game that i will go to to get that to get a good feeling from it i haven't played a game like this in a while that gives me like such a fun arcadey feel and it's just pure joy. The game's pure joy. Like, hey, I like that game. So hard. So hard. Man. Nice. God, I am so happy. I'm so happy you like this game. I feel like a lot of times I give you not great games, Tony. Not always on purpose, but sometimes it just happens where the games aren't as good as I thought they would be. <laughs> Rogue Squadron 2. And uh, Yeah. And honestly... I mean that's that's the point of the show, right? It's like for yeah. every for every Gunstar Heroes I give you, there's a Monster Rancher uh, card battle episode <laughs> two. You know, like like that's just how this show works. So it is what it is. But uh, for our next episode, 
mm-hmm. for our next episode. We were talking beforehand, like you have some travel coming up. Uh, so I wanted to make sure to pick something out on a portable console that, uh, that you can play while you're gone. So I've made you play a lot of games that like, I'm, I'm, I'm very fond of genre-wise. Uh, we haven't touched upon a genre that I feel particularly strong about, and that is the 2D fighter. Oh, God. So, oh, so God. So for our next episode of Hey, I Like That Game, we are going to go back in time to the, I believe it's the feudal age of Japan, and we oh are going God. to play oh, no. Samurai Showdown 2. <laughs> I yes. can tell that's what you're building up to. As soon as you said feudal age, I'm like, no, he's going to make me play Samurai Showdown. Samurai Showdown 2, uh, you can get it on the uh, Switch in the uh, ACA Neo Geo. Uh, this is put out by Hamster. It's only 8 bucks, But this is this is the Samurai Showdown that I probably played the most of. Mostly in like bowling alleys growing up as a kid. Um, I never owned this game, but I played the shit out of it in the arcade. I haven't played it in a very, very long time, so I'm actually eager to get into it. And it came to my mind uh, pretty quickly when I was thinking of, okay, what are, what's something we can play portably that's like cheap? And there's a new Samurai Showdown that's coming out in June that's I'm not sure if they're calling it like a, a, a reboot of the, the series or like a soft reboot or whatever but they're just calling it Samurai Showdown it seems to be you know the Street Fighter 4 of the Samurai Showdown universe and I'm very excited to play that game but to to build up to the release of a new Samurai Showdown let's go back and play uh, arguably the best one of the entire series so, hey, I like that game. Next episode, Samurai Showdown 2. Oh, God, I thought I would get you to not pick a fighting game for a while by making nope. you play Tekken Tag Tournament. But here we are. I guess the, the search engine optimization for Samurai Showdown is probably just way too high right now. <laughs> well, I mean, it's we've played a we've played a decent amount of fighting games at this point i mean you we can, have you can make the argument that super punch out's a fighting game you can make the argument a very strong argument for wind jammers being a fighting game and then obviously we play tech and tag but this is the first legitimate 2d fighter that we're jumping into and i think this one is more accessible than um street fighter and things like that because the thing about samurai showdown is um, as far as I remember, it's not really about pulling off long, complicated combos. It's more about reading your opponent and punishing with a well-executed uh, move that does you know, more damage than it would in a normal fighting game. I like that. I like that about it, and hopefully you'll like it too. I'm excited to see uh, what you think of it. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out on the next episode of Hey, I Like That Game. Thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure to subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this on, and also drop us a rating and review. It would really mean a lot to us. Thanks. Tune in next time.